All right. Well, I hope you got one of the handouts. And if you look on the back side, uh, the first week we talked about God's purpose for the family. Then the second week was the ministry of the family. That's the ministry of the family to the church and the church to the family and also the family to the world. So the role of ministry that the family has external to itself. And then today is going, we're going to begin talking about family worship. Uh, family worship. So uh, next week we'll start getting in, it's called getting to the heart of behavior. So we'll start getting into the nitty gritty, uh, the, the, you know, the specific instructions about how do we help shape uh, our children's hearts uh, in cooperation with the spirit, with God working in them. But today, family worship. So uh, we've seen how God intended to use family relationships, including children, as a vital means of communicating the most precious truths about himself. There's the father-son relationship within the Godhead, which is a family-like relationship. How he uses the family to uh, communicate some, in some respect his plan of salvation. So the whole idea of adoption being brought into a family describes our salvation. Uh, his plan for our sanctification and his plan for the church now and in heaven. In other words, our relationships with one another are described in scripture as family relationships in the church. And we're to be growing up into Christ together. And now we want to turn and ask the question, how do we minister to the family? How does ministry happen within the family? How has God designed for families to be built up so that they can play all these important roles that we've talked about? And children's lives, their hearts can be shaped and trained and taught to follow the Lord. How many of you have heard the term family worship? Have you heard the term family worship? Okay, a few of you. Um, what do you think it means? What, when you think of it, Evan, what do you think of it? I mean, basically some sort of uh, time together focused on the things of God, usually with Bible, prayer, or musical worship or something else. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great description of it. Anybody else? Well, we want to explore today whether God intends for us to worship as families and how God intends for us to worship as families. So the first question really we should ask before getting to family worship is simply what is worship? What is worship? Of course, some people tend to think of worship primarily as singing songs at church. You know, oh, that's the worship time, and then there's the praying and the preaching time. And certainly singing is worship, but the essential concept is in Scripture, um, when it describes worship, it, it means service. Uh, service with an attitude of fear and adoring awe and wonder. That's from the New Bible Dictionary. Service with an attitude of fear Adoring awe and wonder. 
And so when you think of worship, can you think of a place in scripture that you might go to think of a definition of worship? Pardon? I said, is the answer in this article? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be. Or maybe on the handout. Or on the handout. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to Romans 12.1. So Romans 12.1. Uh, does anyone, if you have it on your, on your phone Bible or your Bible that's opened up, maybe someone can read it to us. Romans 12.1. I can read. Okay. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies at a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. All right. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or service. That's what that word means. So the essential point is that our entire lives are to be a continuing act of worship. We are living sacrifices. And so that determines our understanding of how we do worship in the context of our families. So think of it this way, uh, or one of, the, one of the reasons why we use this terminology that we use in, in church, in our church at least, is we refer to Sunday afternoon service, that service, as corporate worship. Corporate worship. Um, rather than simply worship. And the reason we do that is we don't want to limit the definition of worship to what we do when we're in meetings together. So we call that corporate worship. It's individual worship when we scatter throughout the week and we go about living our lives as living sacrifices. So point uh, Roman numeral one then, what does the Bible say about family worship? Now we've, we've established what worship is. We want to live, live all of our lives in service to God. What does the Bible say about family worship? Um, let me ask you this. Does the Bible say that families should worship God together? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty safe answer, maybe. Yeah. I think I think of passages that talk about parents teaching, you know, God's word to their kids regularly, like, you know, talk about this and teach this to your children. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember what that is? Deuteronomy. No. De <laughs> Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's in Deuteronomy. Like his mother and his grandmother taught him from infancy, yeah. you know, what was in the scriptures. Yeah, that's right. You stole one of my illustrations from later on in the class. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Evan. Well, but when you take us to Romans 12, like if our entire lives be worshipped, then how could the time we spend in our families not be? Yeah, that's true. That's exactly right. So maybe, let's, let's look at Deuteronomy. So if someone has Deuteronomy 6... Uh, maybe read, uh, somebody would read one and two. Anybody have Deuteronomy? Okay, Joanne, go ahead, read it. No, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, 
that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. All right. Now, did you, you read one and two. I read one and two, yeah. All right. Uh, let me just make sure. Go ahead and read three. Okay. Yeah. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and the land flowing with milk and honey. All right. Great. Um, so what is the command? What's the command here in these verses? Or what are the commands? Keep his statutes. Keep his statutes. Yeah. That's right. Be careful to do them. Be careful to do them. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so he, he wants them to, uh, and of course, we, we could go on to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So he's, he wants them to love him as their Lord, as their God, um, from their hearts. But Moses doesn't stop there. Um, He tells them how to raise their children in addition to be worshipers as well. So if someone could read 6 through 9, verses 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All right. So we learn from this passage that God's will for his people is that they and their children worship him meaning that they'd serve him with every fiber of their being, with an attitude of awe and love, and that he requires his word not only to be on the parents' hearts, but that they would impress these commands and the command to worship him from the heart on their children all the time, all the time. And so he's commanding here that whole families worship everywhere and all day. Uh, When we go to the New Testament as well, of course, you might think about how Jesus, uh, Jesus's family even did this with him. If you think about in Luke chapter two, uh, his family took him up to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. Uh, So whole families were going up to Jerusalem for those times of corporate worship. Um, and consider as well, of course, Jesus welcoming children to him when he was out and about preaching. 
both in and around Judea and up in Galilee as well. So there was never a time when Jesus said, uh, children shouldn't be here. Um, he, he wanted children to be included in instruction, spiritual instruction. So God's word clearly teaches that simply raising moral children, children that obey rules, is not the same thing as raising Christian children. Christian children, children that will worship God from their heart. And um, I, I suppose it's, it's uh, important to say using tricks to get children to simply obey in their actions but not from the heart is not the same as teaching children to serve God with every fiber of their being with an attitude of awe and love. It's not the same. And so um, I, I know families before um, who have sadly mistaken simple obedience for heart change in a child. Now, sometimes they, they look the same oftentimes, but time, time will tell. Time will tell. So we have to ask the question then, how do we do our part then to cultivate heart-driven worship of God in children, in our children? So that brings us to Roman numeral number two, family worship requires daily teaching. So we saw in that Deuteronomy passage that we're to impress God's word and commandments on our children. Uh, the ESV says, teach it diligently. And we see that leading the family to worship, it's not just a hobby. It's a 24-7, 52 weeks out of the year responsibility, morning and evening. When you get up and when you lie down, he says, inside and outside. It says when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And it's active and passive. Teach, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. But the question is, is this just an informal activity? Is it just an informal activity? In other words, should we teach our children through some kind of formal family worship? Meaning that we must do it in a structured way, uh, where there's some kind of order to what's going on, a beginning and an ending to it. What do you think? Do you think scripture requires it? Tobin's shaking his head no, but he's afraid to say no out loud. <laughs> <laughs> He thinks, no, Scripture doesn't explicitly require it. I think, I think you're right, Tobin. I think Scripture doesn't explicitly require it. Um, so no, it's not required in that sense. And yet, it might be wise. It might really be a wise thing to do. So think about it like this. Just like our corporate worship together on Sundays uh, is designed, we hope and pray, to influence our informal relationships with one another. In other words, when we go to dinner afterwards, would we talk about the sermon? Would we talk about the things we sang? Um, would that word that's preached be a topic of conversation then and influence us throughout the week in the informal times together? So in the same way, formal family worship has the potential to influence our informal 
evangelism and discipleship in our family relationships. So part A then under Roman numeral two about daily teaching through family worship and the family, we'd say formal daily teaching can be wise. Actually, I don't think I have these uh, Roman numerals or letters there, but look at that heading, formal daily teaching can be wise. So it's true, of course, there's no explicit biblical command that we hold a formal worship service or other teaching times in our homes. But the same thing is true about a daily quiet time. Um, Although we would probably all agree that's a really wise thing to do, to be in God's word every day. Um, And so a short daily worship service in a family's life can be of great, great benefit. Um, let, me, let me just tell you uh, what one Christian theologian, uh, a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Don Whitney, writes in a, a book of his about family worship. He says, bringing up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is not accomplished unintentionally and incidentally. Yes, it should and will happen throughout the day at unplanned serendipitous occasions, but it should also happen purposefully. Without some regularity and structure and purpose, it's one of those things that we assume we are doing, but sometimes are never actually doing. So consistent, father-led family worship is one of the best, steadiest, and most easily measurable ways to bring up children in the Lord's discipline and instruction. And he gives some reasons uh, why he thinks that's wise. Uh, Number one, he says, Christian history shows the high value that believers have consistently placed on formal family worship. He actually has a book called Family Worship, in the Bible, in history, and in your home. And um, he um, talks about uh, some evidences from history. So for example, he says, um, at an early hour in the morning, the family was assembled. These are writings from history. And a portion of scripture was read from the Old Testament, which was followed by a hymn and a prayer. In the evening, before retiring to rest, the family again assembled. The same form of worship was observed. With this difference, the service was considerably protracted or extended beyond the period which could be conveniently allotted to it in the commencement of the day. It's obviously written from times past. Uh, He cites Martin Luther. Martin Luther said that even with all of his responsibilities as as a professor and church leader, as a husband and father, he had the responsibility to be the worship leading pastor of his family and that his house was, quote, actually a school and a church. Um, There's uh, the second London confession Second London Baptist Confession of 1689, uh, which is a classic Baptist statement of faith, and it's modeled on the Westminster Catechism. It says, like the Westminster Catechism, God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth, as in private families daily and in secret, each one by himself. In fact, uh, the Westminster Assembly actually published an extensive publication called the Directory for Family Worship, requiring church discipline for a man 
who unrepentantly refused to lead his family in daily worship. So you could be disciplined for that. Now, we're not going to do that. Um, but just goes to show how seriously they took it in times past. Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote about his experiences and his value uh, placed on family worship. He says, if we want to bring up a godly family who shall be a seed to serve God when our heads are under the clods of the valley, let us train them up in the fear of God by meeting together as a family for worship. He goes on to say, I trust that there are none here present who profess to be followers of Christ who do not also practice prayer, i.e. family devotions, in their families. We may have no positive command for it, but we believe that it is so much in accord with the genius and spirit of the gospel that it is so commended by the example of the saints that the neglect thereof is a strange inconsistency. <laughs> so we're not following in the pattern of wise Christians in the past to not be about that. So, of course, we don't want to be legalistic about family devotions and simply add them to an already long list of things that we have to do. Um, but we don't want to ignore uh, the pattern and the example of faithful Christians in the past, of course. It's of great value. And, you know, let me just say that... Uh, if you're not doing that now, and I mean, I think uh, many of you have very young children. I think, Nissen, you have the oldest child in here, apart from me. Um, but um, yeah, if you're not doing these things now, let me just say, now's the time to start. Now's the time to begin thinking about it. Um, for those of you, of course, who are going to have babies or have babies that are just being born, um, so remember there's grace, there's grace for this. Uh, let me stop right there and just ask if there are any questions, any questions? You know, I might say that, um, if you don't have children yet, one way to get an early start on this is to have some kind of family worship time, just the two of you husband and wife together. And that sets a precedent for that when children, by God's grace, come along. So I, th I think that would be an excellent way. You don't have to wait till you have children. <laughs> Second point under this um, heading of formal, uh, basically formal family worship is what should a family teaching and worship service be like. So uh, again, I'll quote Spurgeon. He wrote, I agree with Matthew Henry when he says, they that pray in the family do well, they that pray and read the scriptures do better, but they that pray, read, and sing do best of all. There is a completeness in that kind of family worship that is much to be desired. So we wanna talk about this kind of three-part plan for formal family worship of pray, read, and sing. Um, I, I'm going to push on. I have another long quote about what would happen. Uh, uh, this is written, I believe, by Spurgeon's wife 
when they had their family worship times and it basically says they were just really tender, wonderful times of him praying for the family and uh, teaching the family to pray in the midst of all that. But we'll start first with thinking about Bible reading. So pray, read, sing, we're actually gonna talk about reading first. Um, First of all, reading, you're gonna want to use something that's age appropriate for your children, age appropriate. But don't underestimate your children's ability to understand. Hannah, what are you guys using to read with Charlotte right now? Um, like before her bedtime, we rotate back and forth between the big picture story Bible okay. and the gospel, the blue one. <laughs> the white one and the blue one. The white one and the blue one, okay. The blue one is like the gospel storybook Bible or something. So, okay. Um, we just kind of have read through one started the next one and read through it and then started the next one so we just switched between those but we also try and like especially on the weekends she's not awake for our family worship in the mornings uh-huh. the week, but on the weekends just like reading parts of scripture yeah without a kid's bible as well so. yeah Nissen, what what have you guys done so we did uh, we were actually reading the uh, of the gospel, so we did Mark, but we felt like we had to sort of skip, you know, so that it would be sure easy, um, for Amelia to understand. But we did another book called um, "101 Stories of the Bible," and it was recommended by um, Bethany Darwin, who used to be in okay, the city. okay. And we found that to be really helpful for her to understand the stories of the Old Testament. Mm. Now we, so we finished that and we are doing Kevin D. Young's new one, um, the biggest story, biggest story, something like that. (laughs) What color, what color is it, Nissen? Is it a blue one or a white one? Or (laughs) this has a lot of pictures, but it is also about the Old Testament and how it points to Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, those of you who are just starting out, get, get um, suggestions from these parents that are just one or two steps ahead of you is a great, a great thing to do. Um, I mean, you can also use as well, there are uh, children's, more and more children's catechisms that are coming out. A catechism, of course, is a structured question and answer, and they're designed for children to be able to memorize the answers. Um, that was something that we didn't do with, with our kids uh, so much. Um, we did a lot of Bible study, like you're describing, Nissen. Uh, we, we did the, story, the Bible story, uh, story books kind of at the beginning. We actually started acting. We would act out Bible stories when they were really little. So everybody got to play a part, um, even like animals, if there were animals in the story, you know, somebody got assigned to be an animal. Mary riding on the donkey was like the most coveted part. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoever gets to ride on the donkey, right, or maybe Jesus coming into Jerusalem, you know, on Palm Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that makes those stories come alive and makes those kinds of times really... Um, 
makes your kids look forward to that time. Um, Yesterday we read, um, we're reading through a family devotional that's pretty like complex, that has like lots of different aspects of the family worship, but we got to the Lord's Prayer, yeah. and we just told Charlotte to repeat after us, like two words at a time, uh-huh. and I, I realized just recently at her age that she'll, do, she'll repeat after me if I'm doing an action. So uh, I've just been trying to like make up actions for everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, she'll say, let's sing that song with actions. And I'm like, uh, okay, we're going to do it on the fly. <laughs> so we're like, our fun is in heaven. Right, right, right. So just those little tricks I've, I've realized like yeah. make it sticky for little yeah. kids. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, someone, someone said... Uh, pack it in now, and they can unpack it later. So in other words, get it, get it in their heads, um, and they'll draw on it later. The Spirit will utilize it in their lives. Um, so just a, some bullet point suggestions for, for Bible reading. Uh, of course, it's wise to start with prayer. And let me just say that I think when... I want, I want to encourage you as parents to think about how you pray in front of your children. Because a lot of Christians have learned kind of a prayer language um, that maybe uses words that are too fancy. They're actually words that they don't actually use in normal conversations with one another. In addition to that, sometimes I notice this, that... um, Adult Christians have learned to pray very fast. They pray very fast. Um, almost lots of rote things that they've said, rote phrases that they've said before in the past. And I want to encourage you, uh, especially with your children, honestly, it, it's good for you no matter what, whether you have children or not, is to begin to learn how to pray slowly and thoughtfully. Slowly and thoughtfully. Um, and you want to pray. Yeah, and there's nothing better than having children to help you learn how to do that because you want them to understand. And honestly, you want to approach the Lord in that way as well, um, slowly and thoughtfully. Um, praying uh, also b- before you read the Bible instills the idea that we need help, God's help to understand his word. Uh, when you read the scripture, read enthusiastically. Don't read in a wooden way. Um, explain words that the kids may not understand. Your children may not understand. Of course, if you're using the, the Bible storybooks. Um, yeah, if you're having to explain a lot of words, then you probably need to step it down in terms of uh, complexity. And ask questions, lots of questions after you've read, which should focus on application or even just simply understanding the meaning of the passage. All right, so that's, that's reading. So we want to talk about prayer next. Um, and when we think about prayer, not only learning to pray slowly and thoughtfully, but um, of course you'll be helped to and your children will be helped and learn to pray if you pray uh, in a variety of ways. Praising God, confessing sin, giving thanks to God for 
ways that he has loved us and served us and, and making requests or supplication. You know, you, I'm thinking of acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And uh, praying not just for... Uh, not just for personal needs, but also for personal holiness. Most of the prayers in Scripture are about our spiritual growth, not just help me with this physical thing, Lord. Um, and also prayers uh, for the rest of the world and for our church. Uh, when you do that, you're training. You're training children. Um, so don't underestimate the value of of your prayers imparting faith to your children. Um, I will use uh, one of these quotes uh, that Spurgeon's wife, I believe her name was Susanna, wrote about him. After the meal was over, an adjournment was made to the study for family worship, and it was at these seasons that my beloved's prayers were remarkable for their tender childlikeness their spiritual pathos, and their intense devotion. He seemed to come as near to God as a little child to a loving father, and we were often moved to tears as he talked thus face-to-face with his Lord. Yeah, what a testimony. Incredible. Uh, that the way we pray and what we pray can have such an influence. Um, there's also, of course, um, there's application for people that are single and um, you know, if, if we had single people here, we don't have any single people here, uh, but I would encourage them that to not underestimate their praying in front of children as well, the children in our church, maybe if they're teaching a class or even in a larger gathering as well. Uh, that is, that's a testimony, that's a witness to them as well. And, and I would encourage uh, singles in our church as well to go and be with families uh, during some of their formal family worship times. And of course, then for you all, those of you who have families, uh, then it, it is incumbent on you. Let me use a smaller word. It is um, important for you and for us, I should say, to invite them into our family worship time. So um, we've even been doing that uh, lately, uh, inviting Shiny to come over and read with us at 6.30 in the mornings. Been a little hit and miss. (laughs) But that's when Joanne and I read together. So we're still having formal family worship time. Um, So yeah, invite singles into your homes so that they can join. And listen, if they come over and it's not time for a formal family worship, maybe it's time. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe you do it right then. And lastly, let's talk about singing. So singing. Uh, when they're young, of course, singing uh, is, is fantastic, and they, children love to sing. And uh, you as an adult, if you're not used to singing out loud, it's time to get used to singing out loud. Um, no matter how good of a singer or how poor of a singer you are, you know, the whole make a joyful noise. Uh, so consider having uh, some hymn books around the house that's of course as children get older Um, but they'll even learn more complicated songs I know recently um, 
um, our third oldest daughter, Leah, was telling us that their three-year-old daughter, Jane's favorite song was uh, Come Ye Sinners. I don't know why, but that was her. Um, yeah, she's a little sinner, that's for sure. Um, so it applies to her as well as everyone else. Uh, pick songs, if you can, that relate to a passage. Uh, let, let your children pick songs. You know, let them, give them some, uh, some control in some of your formal family worship times. Uh, one of the things you can do, if you can't even think of a song, is make sure you bring home the bulletin from the church service and have those around. You can just grab that and sing a song that you sang from the past corporate worship service. Um, the important thing is to pick something and to do it in formal family worship in general. Um, you'll change what you do as your children get older. Uh, it's going to evolve um, and become more in-depth, more heart-centered, more conversational. Um, but the important thing is to keep doing it. Um, and let me say this, you're going to fail. You're going to have times when it like blows up. Uh, kids melt down. Um, don't give up. Or maybe if you're doing it in the mornings before they head off to school, let's say, and nobody got ready in time. Um, don't give up. Just get back on the horse again, so to speak, and try again the next day. So the important thing is keep going, don't stop. And of course, I guess if there were, other than keep going and don't stop, I would say a key is to have the time be short, regular, and flexible. Short, regular, and flexible. Um, so I, you know, I, um, this is a great article here on one page, worship with your family in five 15 or 30 minutes. Um, yeah. So, you know, like with Leah, uh, Leah Homwaldo, I'm sure you all, five minutes is probably going to be about her speed, right? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. We try to sing the song in the morning and pray with her. So it'll take about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. For a meal. We figured that she already realized, like, we have a routine with her, so yeah. she expects for that. Yeah, yeah, kids love routine. They love that routine. That would be actually a question, Brian. Yeah, sure. What about, like, practical ways we do that? Uh, I mean, thinking first about the uh, things that are age-appropriate, uh, I think the question I have is, like, in which age you think it's good to start, or is it like, even if it's a newborn baby, or we start, like, when... The kid uh, starts realizing or understanding some words. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so, so, and especially like a, how often we bring new new things uh, to this formal structure, you know? How, like, uh, when to bring new things? Yeah, and how often we do that? Because I, I assume we start with the very basic things, but like five minutes or even yeah. less than that. And then we go, okay, let's bring new. New, new elements in. New elements, like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going, you're going to have to gauge. That, that's really going to be a very individual decision for your child. 
to figure out, I mean, and th this is a part of what it means to be thinking of how do I help my child engage with Bible material and, you know, uh, one of the things that you're teaching your child early on is just to sit still for five minutes. It's, <laughs> like, it's interesting because Leah, we already realized that she's in a phase now that she can sit and we can read something to her. Yeah. But like, I don't know, two months ago, she wouldn't stay seated and yeah. just listen to it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so. Actually, when you have a newborn, you can have formal family worship that goes for 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> right? They just, they just sleep, you know? <laughs> but then when, they start, then when they start paying attention, yeah, you need to, you need to just slow it. <laughs> Make it shorter. So I don't know exactly what to tell you, Josue. I think that you're really going to have to be thinking and praying and talking to one another. I know for Joanne and I, we were always kind of strategizing. You know, Joanne would say, okay, Brian, I think you tried too much. I think you're trying to do too much. Or, you know, let's, let's take it down a notch. Um, let's, uh, and, and then, you know, once, uh, if you have a larger family, have two, three, four children, if the Lord blesses you um, in that way, you know, one thing that we did was we did a lot of Bible study. That was just, you know, that was the way that I was learning how to disciple people and do evangelism. And I still value it. I would do it all over again like that, too. Um, teaching our children through manuscript Bible studies. So having the sheets of paper, we'd have them out on the table in the mornings and we would do 15 to 20 minutes of manuscript Bible study. And so little kids, the little ones who can't read, they're actually doodling in the margins, you know, but they're listening. They're listening to, you'd be surprised. Uh, and, you know, I, we have actually, we recently gave all those manuscripts to them that, that we had accumulated over the years. And you could see how the doodles got much, much better and much more uh, actually applicable to the passage that we were talking about. Um, yeah, and eventually they're actually reading. I mean, it helps them read, too, if you want to know the truth. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to pray, yeah. and you're going to have to talk together and think about what's best. So, um, and if you're really stuck, you can come talk to your pastor. <laughs> From one pastor to another. As much as possible, just to make it a positive experience. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Make it something they enjoy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's hard to, like, um, like I realized, Charlotte, now it's, it feels like a tough call sometimes when we're trying to pray. She, like, starts talking or being silly because mm -hmm. she knows that we want her to be quiet during that time and listen. So it's hard <laughs> to, like, what, to decide whether to stop and discipline her for that mm -hmm. and make it, like, a longer, more unpleasant experience for everyone mm. or when to ignore her and keep yeah. praying <laughs> I feel like that's been tricky yeah. Just wanting to keep it a positive experience but also wanting to teach her and instruct her sure. that like sure. we're praying you need to listen we're talking to God yeah so I mean yeah, of course you'll have to engage in some discipline as well uh, at different times yeah that's right um 
Yes, go ahead, Nissan. I was going to say also, one thing we noticed with um, Amelia is there are other things surrounding, like in her life, that also helps her focus during the family devotion. Mm. And that is like, for us, we realized when we reduced the time, screen time through the week, ah. we just kept it on the weekend. We also, interestingly, noticed that her attention and focus has increased. Um, not just for devotion, but, you know, she is very creative and more conversational. And yeah. Doesn't feel like she needs to be on some... Some device. She doesn't need to be entertained. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's a great suggestion. We yeah. hope it will continue. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. I'm sure you'll have to keep keep uh, limiting screen time. Um, we didn't have quite those challenges um, that you all have. There weren't as many devices uh, as we were raising our children, which I suppose is a blessing. You know, for trips in the car, we used to strap a big combination TV VCR into the back of the car. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we'd had an accident, that thing probably would have killed all of us. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like a huge rock. Um, I, I just noticed that this thing is reversed, but uh, your handout. But uh, on the second inside page, top of the page, we're going to move on to daily teaching certainly must be informal as well. It needs to be informal as well. So how do we informally cultivate family worship? And um, really, of course, if we go back to Deuteronomy, the Deuteronomy passage, we need to take a number of lessons from that passage. Um, three that I'll mention are first, God's word is to be our constant subject of conversation. So we want God's word to be a part of our everyday conversations um, so that they learn to be worshipers all the time, wherever we are. Um, and of course, this means that, this means of course that as parents, uh, or it emphasizes the point that, that you all are the primary disciplers of your children. Um, the church is not the primary discipler. We're secondary. We're certainly there. And we're kind of like a discipling co-op where we're all trying to do that with our children and help out with each other's children as well. But its primary responsibility is of the parents. Um, so um, examples are... You know, really from the life of Jesus, we can think about how he uh, oftentimes was teaching as he went along the way to his disciples or the crowds. Um, he encountered a woman drawing water from the well, of course, in John 4. That was an opportunity to teach that he's, he offers living water and eternal life. Um, and, and we could go on and on and on about the examples of Jesus teaching and the everyday moments of life. Second, it's not easy to keep God's word as our constant subject of conversation, so we need reminders. We need reminders for ourselves. And so if you think about the passage in Deuteronomy, it talks about, you know, write it on your gates, write it on doorposts. These are reminders that God was saying, you're going to need reminders, you know. Um, and of course, we know that throughout the 
history of Israel as a whole, they needed physical reminders as well, right? About the need for them to worship the Lord wholeheartedly. Um, so um, things like having scripture in your house in different places. Um, thinking about what kind of music are you listening to? Uh, not just maybe during the formal family worship time, but during other times. Um, so th those kinds of little reminders here and there in your life uh, are going to help you not only train your children, but also your children are, are going to see those things that God's word and the worship of God is a part of our everyday lives in our family. And then third, if God's word is to be a constant subject of conversation, we need to be together so we can have those conversations. So gathering the family and having family time together is really, really important. Um, and um, that's a real challenge for um, uh, families that have a busy life or those of you who have really busy jobs, which is almost all of us, I assume. Um, and it's a real challenge, I think, especially for fathers. I would say I think fathers need to take the lead in evaluating, are we actually getting enough time together as a family? Um, so that will probably influence and should influence things like what jobs you take what things you agree to in terms of hobbies and sports, perhaps, that you're involved in. Um, and, of course, the same goes for, for, for moms as well. Uh, we have to ask the question, are we actually getting enough time together? I think there are studies. I, I didn't take the time to look this up beforehand, but there are studies that talk about the positive effects of families that simply eat dinner together. They just eat dinner together. I mean, there's no other, you know, it's just they're together. And what's gonna happen is that there's parenting happening during that time. And it says something about the parents if eating together is a priority. So um, um, that's a very, very important thing. So those three things are really important. One, one just um, kind of everyday uh, teaching our children that we uh, have spiritual conversations, we talk about our relationship with Jesus uh, normally and naturally is, especially when your children are young, is to go and lay down with them uh, when you put them to bed and to talk to them even then. Now, of course, when they're really little, um, you want to slip out. <laughs> after you sing a song, after you pray a prayer, you're slipping out, of course. But as they get older, you might go in and, yes, there will be times then you fall asleep uh, as well. Uh, there are plenty of times I used to come out and be like, I can't believe I'm so sleepy. It's, what, 8 o'clock? You know? But, um, yeah, so lay down with them, listen to them, talk with them, ask questions, um, ask them about their day. Uh, pray with them, and that's really Im important. I, I know for us, one, uh, one important time for us was, uh, I already mentioned kind of 
uh, taking long drives in the car, and we really don't do that in the UAE, do we? I don't know, unless you're going to Sharjah. Um, but uh, on long car trips, we would sing songs, we would have conversations about the Bible, we would, yeah, I mean, that was in some ways extended formal family worship time, uh, you, could, you could say. But also um, dinner time, dinner time conversations were really uh, fantastic opportunities. And of course, that was more true the older they got, um, more true. And I, I think one of the things that I, I felt was really important along the way was for them to hear me as their father speak about my relationship with Jesus as if it was a real thing. Um, that I had a relationship with Jesus and that I wasn't just leading formal family worship times, that I was reading the Bible. And so I might, I might, I really intentionally try to use those times sometimes to say, hey, I want to tell you about what I read in the Bible today. And maybe I retold the Bible story, you know. And I said, oh, I noticed this. This was really interesting to me about the story. Um, or maybe... Um, I would even share something that I was needing to trust God for in life. Uh, so demonstrating and verbally expressing um, about my relationship with Jesus. So, yeah, they, they have a lived out relationship with Jesus in front of them all the time. Um, I'm going to press on to the end because we've hit 11 o'clock. But just um, a last point here is that family worship requires our own radical change, our own radical change. Um, to train our children to have hearts that long for awe-inspired service toward God is only truly done when we are simply passing on what's already real for us. So in some ways, that's just to reiterate what I just said. Um, and um, this brings me to the point of asking, you know, can you think of a place in Scripture where parents influence children for the good? And Hannah already gave away the passage <laughs> that I was thinking of. Maybe there's other passages that, that you can think of. Um, it was the life of Timothy. So Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy and he, he recounts uh, the sincere faith that first lived in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Uh, he's recounting that in the first chapter of 2 Timothy. So they had a living faith they passed on to Timothy. Um, and then he, he goes on to, to we, we hear about it farther on in 2 Timothy in chapter 3 as well because Paul says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that was something that uh, as much as Timothy owed to Paul, who called him his child in the faith. Um, he also 
owed a debt of gratitude to um, his grandmother and his mother who uh, passed on their love for the scriptures and their faith in Jesus to him. So, um, you know, if I, if I recall correctly, I believe there's, it's, uh, there's some speculation that Timothy had a Greek father, uh, maybe not a, not a believer, um, and that only his, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of in some ways glaring that a, a, a father isn't mentioned, and yet his grandmother and his mother are. And, of course, that's a, that's a testimony that even for families that are, let's say, uh, divorced folks who have children, who are trying to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, can also have a profound effect on their children. So don't give up. If your uh, marital situation, family situation is less than ideal. Um, so questions to ask, I think, are will your children see that you have a living, vital relationship with Jesus? Do they see that? Will they grow up thinking my mom and my dad really love Jesus? Or will they maybe just grow up thinking that we were dutiful and religious? So the ministry to the family, in conclusion, is a heart-centered ministry designed to create worshipers, people who serve God in an attitude of fear and adoring awe and wonder. Scripture says that we should do this by leading our families in worship, both formally, which is wise, and informally, which is certainly commanded. And what's necessary for this to happen is for God's word to dwell richly in us as parents uh, so that uh, the evangelism and discipleship of our children is simply an overflow of what's happening in our lives. Any questions to close out our time? Yeah, Tobin. So, Brian, um, you know, in the previous section where you said uh, about Bible reading and singing, so, and this is kind of going back to uh, my background, which I just, that I grew up in. This was emphasized, like, you need to have a family worship, you need to be spending time with your family, yeah. reading scripture. But one of the things that I've seen, or at least in our family, the issue is it becomes too ritualistic, or yeah. uh, it becomes like, Hey, for the sake of it, we need to pray. Um, yeah. But what I've seen is oftentimes praying just become repeated words. There's the same thing um, that's been prayed right. over. Yeah. Um, even scripture we just read, but there's no discussion. And I and this is not just like I would say something that happened in my family. Like even when we talk with young people, this is kind of what's happening. Yeah. But the thing is, they say we have family worship. Right. So my question is, how can we be careful? Uh, or what are some of the things we need to keep in mind, you know, when we think of family worship? How should we approach it? Um, I know some of, some bit of it you spoke here, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I think you're going to do a great job, Tobin. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do. Simply because you're asking the question. How can I, how can I not make it just 
a, a, a ritual. Um, you're going to want your children to, you're going to want them to worship God from their hearts. And you're going to want, you're always going to be asking the question, is what we're doing in our family worship time and in our informal times, um, is it actually hitting the target, which is the heart? Um, so you're always asking that question, reevaluating, retooling, changing. I mean, you're not going to, it, it doesn't require, you know, wholly new strategies. The strategies are age old, you know, they're go all the way back to Deuteronomy, right? Um, so I think, yeah, all the things I said, don't pray in ritualistic ways. Pray slow, heartfelt, thoughtful prayers. Um, teach your children to pray. Um, it's wonderful when they pray in really, really simple ways. Um, we don't pray to impress God. We don't pray or have family worship time to just check the box. That's not, you know. And I, I, I would bet that that's going to also be um, reflected in the informal times with your children as well. Um, so... Maybe ask them a question about what you read, a question or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Making sure it's interactive. Yeah. What did you say, Evan? I'm sorry. I have the exact same thing as you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or even um, something that brings application. Yeah. You know, everything that's good that we can do as Christians can be distorted. Everything that's good can be distorted. And just because we've all, and we all have experienced distortions of good Christian practices in our lives. Just because those have been distorted doesn't mean we, mean we throw those things out. You or know. just because they seem ritualistic. That's right, yeah. We don't dismiss it. Yeah. Um, probably worthwhile, like, just at various times to, after family worship, like, go back and reflect on, like, what's my heart towards this? Like, yeah. am I doing this to try to, like, look good to outsiders, mm -hmm. to try to just, like, check the box? Yeah. My friend actually because I love God and I love my children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as your children get older, um, you'll begin to see a correspondence between how they're responding to scripture and biblical truth. Um, and you'll be able to have insights as the Lord leads you to know if their hearts are actually softening to God. Um, or whether they're openly rebellious or whether they're just uh, superficially obedient. Okay? So both are a problem, of course, you know? So you've got both the prodigal son who went out and wasted the money and then you've also got the older brother who was a problem, had, had spiritual problems as well. Um, so you'll be able to discern what's going on in your child's heart. Um, and that's a good topic of conversation in an ongoing way for you and your spouse. So, yeah. I, I think too, like just about, even when that becomes true for our own quiet times or our own devotions, just like 
confessing it out loud to one another and like asking God to change our hearts, even as we go continue doing it, you know? Yeah. Just like, I feel like that can make such an impression on a kid to hear the parents say yeah. like, oh Lord, forgive us for the ways that we yeah. attempted to make this just a ritual. Like help us to do, help grow our love for you that we would worship, want to worship you, you know? And yeah. That. Yeah. I, can I ask a question about sure. prayer? Yeah. Like, how do you think is a good way to teach your kid, your little kid, to pray, especially when they're really young? Like, mm-hmm. maybe I guess I would. I just want to think through it more. Like, not forcing them to pray if they don't want to out loud, but also like trying to encourage that in them. But also knowing they're not, if they're clearly not a believer, like how to teach them to interact with God as people that have hope of receiving salvation Mm -hmm. and knowing that he knows everything and he hears everything. Yeah. But also like trying to teach them, I don't know, just, yeah, starting to think about that more. If any of you are missing or... Yeah, no, I mean, I think what you were mentioning earlier, Hannah, is really good. I think, you know, teaching them even just repeat after me the Lord's Prayer. Um. That's what Jesus used to teach his disciples. It's a pretty good thing to, for you to use it to teach your children. Um, I think encouraging them to pray um, is really the right thing to do. Um, so, yes, we, we should know that our children um, are sinners. They're born into sin just like we were. And they need to be born again before they're truly Christians. Um, And we should be talking about that with them. But we shouldn't speak with our children, I think, skeptically about their faith. Um, I think that's damaging and and harmful and not particularly good. Uh, I think we should speak encouragingly to them about any steps of faith, any uh, actions that they take, which at least on the surface um, seem to be done to because you're teaching them to do it and to please God. So, um, but you're going to be looking for heart change, obviously, over time. So, I mean, children can become Christians at a very young age, and. I hope and pray that all of your children become Christians in the single digits of their life, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that even though we know they have to be born again, we teach them what it's like to follow the Lord, what it means to pray. We teach them the scripture, especially while they're under our roof and under our supervision and authority. Um, yeah. Do you have a question, Evan? Question slash comment. Okay, sure. Uh, remind me again, Acts of the four, of the stands for for prayer? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Yeah. So I wonder if you even like teaching your kids to pray in that way as well. Um, that also would simultaneously be an opportunity to be explaining the gospel as they're praying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even if you're not a Christian, like you're also teaching them theology about who God is yeah. by the reasons why we would pray in those ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it seems like that would overlap a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, listen. I think it's also helpful to tie your uh, prayers to your discipline. So, you know, when they uh, disobey, it's helpful for them to not only to apologize to daddy and mommy, but also to apologize to God. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. God, I'm so sorry that I disobeyed you. You know, like thinking of Psalm 51 where David says, against you have I sinned. Yeah, but yeah. That's right. As well as like when they do something really well, that's obedient, you know. Thank you, God, for making me obedient. Mm-hmm. And so just, I think even in those um, outside devotion times, you're teaching them how to pray, and it makes it easier during those times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, when you close us in yeah. prayer. Father, we realize Lord, that as parents, we are all very imperfect people. Are sinful, and we realize, Lord, that uh, children are a gift from you. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the responsibility that we have as parents, and that is to steward the uh, lives that you have given us as children, um, we want to take that very seriously. Um, we know, Lord, that every child that is born in um, the home of a Christian uh, father and mother is a child that is going to have the opportunity to hear the gospel and know what it means to walk in the way of the Lord. And so we pray, Lord, that um, we would think of how best we can um, follow what the scripture lays out for us uh, so that uh, the children in covenant can come to know the Lord and uh, walk in holiness. And Father, we do want to pray for the salvation of all these children in our church. We pray, Lord, that you will save them. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.